Welcome to Coming Out of the Kitchen. I'm Cass, and this podcast is a little late getting um, uploaded. I do apologize for that. It was recorded on June 29th, 2022, and it was um, a conversation with Jamie Fields. She is the Director of Development at Lost and Found. Before we get started with the original podcast, let me tell you about Anchor. I use Anchor for all of my podcasts. It's easy to use. You download it to your phone or your computer, and you can record directly through Anchor. You can edit it, add some bling. I personally am not professional enough to add the bling. And then hit publish, and Anchor will shoot your podcast out to seven different listening sites, including your cell phone sites. I just had this conversation with a guy that I met last week, Kanan T. He lives in my county, and he joined one of my county clubs, and he was telling me, I wish I knew how to do a podcast. Canaan, it's easy. Just download Anchor and get started today. Now, about this podcast, a few things I got to say up front. There's some potty words. Um, one word is said three, maybe four times. And it was said in a quote with passion because it was just a passionate point in the, in the story. And... Um, It's not the F-bomb, so I think we're all grown up. We'll be okay with that. The other thing I wanted to say is that sometimes we talk with our hands, and there'll be a little tapping noise on the microphone, and I can't edit those out if we're talking over them. So there'll be a few of those that maybe I didn't catch to edit out, and a few I couldn't edit out because it was in the conversation. The other big thing I wanted to tell you We sat down for this podcast, and it was over an hour because we just got to talking, and you can tell in the podcast we were going on different topics all over the place because we were just, you know, you meet that person, and you sit down, and you have a conversation with them, and you're just enjoying it so much that you don't pay attention to anything. Well, we tend to squirm in our seats, in our chairs when we do this, and her leather chairs, they, uh, they made some noise. And I can't edit that out if we're speaking through it without losing the conversation. So if you hear some noise that sound like farts, that's either Jamie or I changing our position in our chair. So today I am with Jamie Fields and she works with Lost and Found in Springfield and and it's um, a grief center. She's director of development. That's awesome. So we're going to hear all about that. But first, we want to hear about Jamie. Jamie, tell us your story. Sure. I grew up in a small town just south of here, um, Spokane, Missouri. Graduating class of 36, and honestly, a big chunk of the people I went to school with were my cousins. Everybody knows everybody. And I was a first-generation college graduate, went to Missouri State, paid for that myself, and communications and public relations was what I focused on and from there I worked in radio briefly about five years Wow, loved that Um, but it was just a way to connect with people I went to a school where most everyone looked like me um, and there wasn't a lot of diversity and I have always been intentional about being inclusive and supporting others um, at my school and when I went to the big city of Springfield Found all kinds of new friends and um, figured out that the world isn't as small as it felt where I was coming from. So worked at radio about five or six years. Which radio? 
Um, Do you care to say? No, not at all. Power 96.5. Um, so that was fun. We did all kinds of top 40 remotes. We would be at the clubs doing all kinds of things. Then when we had our daughter, it wasn't really fun to be the big pregnant lady at a nightclub at 1 in the morning. So I started looking at other opportunities and was recruited by our local chamber of commerce in Springfield. And at the time we had over 1,500 members. So that really opened my eyes to some of the challenges small business owners face. Um, and things that we take for granted living in Springfield, honestly. Areas that we can work together to make better. We have a long way to go, mm -hmm. but so impressed with especially young professionals in Springfield. Sometimes that generation gets a bad rap, um, that they're either entitled or they're lazy or they don't want to give back. But what I had seen in my time at the Chamber, which was about 10 years, was um, our local young people wanted to make Springfield better. They wanted to have hard conversations. They wanted to have different faces at the table. And a lot of really cool things are happening in Springfield from things that I saw back in 2012 and 13. Um, one of them is looking into um, an initiative to open up Jordan Creek downtown. And it's called daylighting. Um, and let that all be exposed again. So things are starting to happen, new walkable space and trails, um, giving women a voice that sometimes we haven't had in the past. And especially the last few weeks, it's been really difficult um, to be in a space where there are so many different opinions and a lot of hostility. Um, personally, I had COVID back in February and it was a life life-changing thing. I wasn't one of the super sick people, but it was really scary at the time. And I'm still having some lingering effects from that, trying to navigate what that looks like. But we're peaking again here in this community. And I was exposed last week, was at a local Walmart, and had on my mask because one of the employees at Walmart's wife is immunocompromised. And he's like family. We see him, we ask about her. So I had my mask on and was called a scared bitch. Can I say that? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, are you serious? It was Thursday. In last, Springfield? Mm -hmm. Because I had on a mask. And I was wearing a mask because I didn't want to, and if I had it, I had to test the next day. If I had it, which I did test negative, I was just trying to do everything that I could to keep myself safe. And the gentleman said it in front of his small child, seven or eight years old. So, it's, a lot of it is ignorance, um, but it's incredibly frustrating to see those things happening in our community. You know, and I was take I, I heard him say, I thought I heard him say that word, and I'm like, what's going on? I was in the produce section. Oh, no. <laughs> and I look around, and he, when I made eye contact with him, he said it again. And I said, excuse me? And he said, you're wearing that mask, you're scared. And I said, I've been exposed to COVID. People that I know have died. My aunt died from it back in... January, February. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't know somebody that's died of yes. it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And so to hear that, whenever I didn't want to be wearing a mask, it was 100 degrees that day. Right. But I'm trying to do everything I can to be mindful of others. It's not about me. It's not that I'm scared. I don't want, I work in a grief center. I don't want to be the person that causes someone to need our services. So just trying to think about ways that we can support each other in a kinder environment. Um, I One of my really close friends is um, a gay man that's married and he had that right. That He honestly didn't think that would ever happen. He may lose it. Yeah, and that's one of the conversations that we've had. And it's a difficult space to be in, seeing things change. 
It is an interesting time. And as a communications major, one of my um, professors... What made you get into communications? I mean, you're from Spokane. Yeah. Um, what is what is Sp- Spokane? I did not real. I thought you were Springfield. You no. Know? Or but usually I do the a lot of census to get background data. Sure. Spokane's not very huge. No, it's not. We were. It's grown a lot. Actually, they have a great reputation, especially the last few years for their education system. I was just gonna say they made. I don't know if you saw. Yeah. Read, was, read the newspaper, but they made the top. Top 100 schools in Missouri, but I think they even I think they got were, in the top 30. They were, Yeah, they did great. And I think what inspired me, I had an amazing English teacher. Um, we read all, we, we read 1984. We read Of Mice and Men. We read all of these challenging books that forced us to think in a way that kids in the middle of nowhere maybe hadn't thought before. And it was really inspiring. And then we had a great drama teacher. We had fun. Um, and we got to do just exercises in the classroom, not even really big plays, but things that would challenge us to think of other places, bigger, bolder. And those were my two favorite classes. So when I knew I wanted to go to college, I did receive a partial scholarship. Um, that was something that I was passionate about. Now, my minor was criminal justice, and I loved that too because of true crime and dateline and everything. But CSI. Yeah, all, everything. all of those, yeah. But there wasn't a really strong program here for that. As I was, after I was done with school, they put in that really awesome facility. So maybe, who knows where I could have ended up. But I am passionate about sharing stories. I love telling stories um, and learning about history and all of those sorts of things. Um, And the the importance of it. One of the classes that I did not want to take at Missouri State but was the only one that would fit in my schedule was political communication. And at the time, the professor was talking about this up-and-comer in Chicago. He'd written a book. We all read the book. And I'm like, this person wants to make a huge impact. And he went on to become our president. So Two terms. Yeah, two-term president. And that's when I started paying attention to not just voting based on what we had, but looking at what don't we have, what candidates are out there that can challenge us to think bigger. And that that does make me excited. So I loved that class. And then I also had to take a religious communication course. And of course, growing up small town Missouri, um, raised Baptist, tiny little town, um, the religious communication course, one of the requirements that we was that we had to visit five other religions, their service. So we could pick anything that we wanted to and go visit and ask them questions. And um, I met with Pastor Lindell down at James River before it was even as huge as it is. This mm-hmm. was back in the late 90s. And I had a great meeting with him. Totally different take going to from the, the small town church that I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to a Korean church. I went to a mosque. Um, I met someone that did Wiccan practice. So to be able to learn and immerse yourself in other other religions, it was really enlightening for me. And everybody was very welcoming. Did that affect your religious views in any way? It just made me think that, you know, it's important to not just think about ourselves. And I think sometimes Americans get a rap for being a little bit selfish in how we think. We think everybody is like us. 
you know, should be like us. And those are challenges that we're seeing and we're seeing them manifest in a lot of different ways right now. We went to Europe for my daughter's senior trip. We were in Paris. I, yeah, we had her when we were 22 and then her little sister, we didn't do anything different, but they are as different as night and day. Um, a lot of fun, but we were in Europe, and it was 29, the summer of 2019, Paris, then Rome, then Geneva, Switzerland, and then we flew to Iceland, so it was a great trip, but we spent the most time in Rome. One of my friends was getting her master's in art history over there, so she was the best tour guide. The people were, they had lunches that lasted four hours. They were laid back, not a care in the world, beautiful space. And that was um, August of 2019, and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And it hit Italy really hard. Really, yeah. And all that I could think about were those carefree people that would have those long lunches without a care in the world and what we were seeing on TV, and then it eventually made its way here. Um, it was a challenge for me personally um, because I had friends in Italy that were saying things that were happening there. The narrative of what we were hearing here didn't match up. Mm -mm. And there was no agenda, political, you know, there was no agenda for my friend to say people really are dying. There are refrigerator trucks filled with bodies on the streets. And it was just, it wasn't a matter of if, it was when. And I think that that inaction early on set the tone for what yes, we're still seeing. We could have. That, that's probably why I was called a scared bitch last week at Walmart. See, I wear my mask. I do this for my health. Mm -hmm. And for anybody else that I'm around that's compromised. Well, not to mention, you guys are short-staffed like everybody else on right. the planet. Every time one of us is exposed and has to quarantine or has to miss work and is sick, it has a ripple effect. And that's that's where we're at. And to me, regardless of if you agree with someone or not, there there's no need to call someone a name that you've never met before, especially in front of a 7- or 8-year-old child in a public setting. And that's where we are. We don't have to be here. Um, I do think, I, I hope that we're learning as we're hearing everything that unfolded that we didn't know about, that it ignites something within us to make sure nothing like this ever happens again in our lifetime. Obviously, we will have other pandemics, other issues that can come up like that, but the response and the misinformation is what got us where we are two and a half years later. I don't think whether we have another pandemic or not is the issue. I think, just me personally, that this thing is mutating mm -hmm. so frequently. It just continues to mutate. And I think local, this, it's, yeah. it's not going away. And it's not like getting the flu. It's not, so I don't. Luckily, it has been milder. The peop, I know a lot of people currently with this spike, this, these cases, and even when I had it, it was a milder case, but we, my, I might have long-term effects. I'm having to get a heart monitor mid-July just to monitor what's some things that are still going on from it. And we don't, we don't know. It affects everybody differently. Mm -hmm. What if one of these mutations makes it highly contagious and highly deadly again? We just don't know what we don't know. And I'm grateful um, for people that want to be educated and want and think of other people before themselves. I wasn't necessarily wearing that mask for anybody but the one gentleman that worked at Walmart whose wife is sick. And that's what I was thinking about the day I put that mask on. And I think if we all were a little bit more mindful of others and how our decisions impact everyone else, maybe we could get to a better space. I'm proud of the community that we're in. I've seen amazing things happen here. I know that it's not like this everywhere, um, but we have a lot of work to do.
Um, I've been in Springfield now for over 20 years and it is home to me. And going home on occasion um, to the small town that I'm from, they're, they're just honest, hardworking people. Um, our oldest daughter wants to buy a house. She has over $12,000 saved up in the bank, which is huge. At 22? At 22. Wow. And she is so resourceful and intentional about everything that she does. But is she going to be able to buy a house? Not right now. We've looked at them. The prices for a starter home that Nathan and I built a brand new home, three bed, two bath, basic house. And I think it was $114,000. And that was way back, uh, late '90s, early 2000s, oh, and man. we got into it for five or six thousand down. And she has twice that. And Mm-mm. there's nothing. Those homes, like the one that we built, are going now for two hundred and thirty thousand dollars. She's responsible. She's every bill has been paid on time. But it's a different world, you know. It makes me. And we've got the younger one that's thirteen. What's it going to be like when she's twenty-two? Well, hopefully, it's better. Yeah, hopefully. I mean. And we're seeing we're seeing everything. I mean, gas prices. My husband and I both needed to get gas. We go to Sam's and fill up. Well, it's an international issue right now. Everyone in countries across the world are experiencing higher fuel prices and higher groceries and everything else because everything costs more to get it to us. But you need to take a look at the big picture, which not to get political, but who's cashing checks from big oil companies? And one of the things that we challenge people to think about is not just yourself. Yes, my kids go to a great school. We live in a part of town and we put them in a school that's known for achieving greatness. But if I were only focused on my own children and not every kid here in Springfield, I I wouldn't care. I, I wouldn't care. I was speaking with a family member recently and said, don't you understand how important it is that all kids are educated? Because if we're not getting a good caliber quality level of teachers they're overworked and underpaid currently and fleeing the education system in droves if we don't have quality teachers for every student that's a mark against us as a state um, I have family in Arkansas also they're one of the least educated states they have a ton of challenges um, but one of my family members is moving to a part of Arkansas that has a lot of advantages a lot of, of money um, and it's not the re- the same as the rest of the state. And they said, well, that won't. Bo- it doesn't matter to me that their their education rates are down. They'll be going to a private school. <laughs> and it broke my heart because it shouldn't just be about us. We should want all kids to have equitable access um, to good teachers, good education, and factual information. And I think we have to we have to push ourselves to think about everybody's child, not just our own. Well, I look at it like this: if you own a company. You want the brightest and the smartest Mm -hmm. to run that company, do you not? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if you're running, if you're governing a state, don't you want the brightest and the most competent? Absolutely. So that you have a successful state. Well, if you have a country, don't you want your country people to be as educated, as intelligent as possible to be a successful country, especially in today's times when we're so global. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, but America just seems to go backwards, but we are getting so off topic. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> we, okay. So tell me about Lost and Found. How who, who founded this company? Lost and Found was founded by Dr. Karen Scott and Sean Askinosi, a local defense attorney. 
Um, and he lost his father when he was young. Karen was a teacher and counselor where he went to school at the time. They reconnected a number of years later and um, he talked about, you know, gosh, I, I really wish that I would have had something from when I was younger. It would have made a huge difference um, to help me process my grief. They came up with this idea. They launched a group in 2000 in his law office. So children who had lost a parent or a sibling would go to group with other children. Their parents would meet with other parents and caregivers during that same time. And we've grown now to over 20 groups. Um, we offer those groups at no cost. So it's truly because of um, generous local donors. I write grants, um, have meetings with donors. We have events that raise funding because we want to make sure that no one grieves alone and give everyone access to the service that we offer. I've been a volunteer here for about 12 years, and then I joined the team three years ago to help with development, which is visibility within the community and fundraising. And it's been incredibly rewarding to see people come in. For Nobody wants to come here. We have a beautiful building, yes, you beautiful do. sign out front, but you can ask a million people. They would never want to have to walk through the door because that means they've lost somebody that means a lot to them. Um, we have children that will come in for the first time. They don't want to be here for anything. And our team is skilled. Master level therapists lead groups and then we have volunteer facilitators that help. Usually we try to do a three children to one facilitator ratio. So we'll do group, we do activities, and you can see growth with those children as soon as they hear another child say, my name is Jamie, I lost my person. They're not alone. We're a death-denying society. People don't want to talk about it, where I'm from, pull up your bootstraps, mm -hmm. have a couple days to grieve about it, but yeah. they'd want you to move on. And yeah. yeah. And for some people, you can't. That, that works. But the majority of Americans that have lost a loved one need support. They need a healthy environment to process their feelings. And especially young children, I would say. And especially now. Um, a lot of changes we're seeing within the family structure aren't what, like what they used to be. I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah. I, no, I wanted to say this before I forgot it. I said it on another podcast that I recorded because that day it just popped up on the screen. 241,000 children in the United States of America have lost a parent or both parents to COVID. That's just staggering. It's, it's staggering. Um, in the United States, there's a, a group, um, the Child Estimation Bereavement Model, and it talks about how many children have lost a loved one. In the United States, one out of 13 kids by the age of 18 will have lost a parent or sibling. In Missouri, it's one out of 11. So what? One out of 11. Those are the most recent numbers we have, and they were from 2021. So... If you think about that, I mean, you'd everybody probably knows 11 children. One of them has lost someone. So we give them a place to grieve through all kinds of different activities. Just sitting down with a child, sometimes they may not have the words to articulate what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. um, but you get them working on art or drawing or playing with clay um, and doing an activity. They'll open up a little bit more. So we use specific techniques we have an amazing program team and they are the best of the best that can help give them the tools to help get those feelings out 
Um, unresolved grief is a public health issue. Children that have experienced a loss and don't get support for that when they need it, there are higher rates of drug and alcohol addiction, mm-hmm. higher rates of drop, you know, high school dropouts, it's trouble holding down a job or relationships. So we know that early intervention is key um, and giving them a safe space to heal is so important. So that's what we do. So how do you get your word out to other communities? Our, question number one and question number two. <laughs> Is lost and found located in other? It's not. It's so just found here. We're the only location. We've uh, we do lean on other communities, other cities with large grief centers, just for brainstorming. We're part mm-hmm. of um, NAGC, which is a grief group uh, that helps put out important information, collect data, that sort of thing. Great resources. Um, the Aluna Network is another group that's been a partner to us also and they've helped with our grief camp and things like that and just getting access to resources. What we're seeing um, as a community and and nationwide and worldwide are higher numbers of deaths by opiates, higher numbers of suicide. That's why I worried about, I wondered about these smaller towns like Spokane. Mm -hmm. How do you get the word out to those smaller towns that you're here if they need you. Primarily school counselors. So okay. a lot of our facilitators and coordinators are high school counselors, elementary school counselors. Um, we have people that work in both hospital systems, health systems that um, will help spread the word there. Okay. But we have families that will drive to and from West Plains on a school night to come to, to Springfield, Missouri for Lost and Found because we are the only one, the only grief center within two and a half hours to get to get these services right so the need is great um, we couldn't do it without awesome donors we do have four different events a year that just help shine a light on the services that we offer um, incredible what, what kind of events I'm sorry in January we have evening of hope it's a like a black tie gala usually 400 to 450 people in attendance very beautiful event it's our largest fundraiser and we sell tables to that so mm-hmm. we're usually sold out with a wait list of course with everything COVID we've had to pivot a few times because one year we did not even have anything another year we had a modified event we were able to do an event in person this year so that's that's a huge thing for us our second event of the year is run and remember it's a memorial 5k and walk it's a walk run people can show up and honor their loved one by running or walking. We also have a memorial garden that we set up with pictures of the loved ones, ribbons in the trees. This year it was at Jordan Valley Park and just a beautiful setting that let people who in many cases never got to say goodbye to their person in person, never had a memorial service or had a smaller version than they would have liked to. So that event is very meaningful to our families, incredibly meaningful. We have a golf tournament. We just wrapped that up on June 20th out at Hickory. And um, just an awesome way to connect with local business owners who have a heart for our mission, giving them a nice day to connect with other people in the business community and learn a little more about us. And then our junior board has an event called Game Day. um, And it's gonna be September 25th this year. Chiefs play the Colts and we are going to be at Metro Grill. And People can buy tables, we can have sponsorships, that kind of thing, and it's just watching a Chiefs game on a Sunday. And we're grateful to the partnership we have with the team over at Metro for opening up to host us on a Sunday because they're usually closed. Their staff had a blast, and it was just a really fun way 
to let people know about what we do and raise some money for a great cause. So those are the largest initiatives we have right now, in addition to grant writing and private um, donor partnerships that we have. Of course, it's an uncertain time financially for people, mm-hmm. so we're trying to figure out, bet- we have a very small staff here, mm-hmm. so having, we, we looked at ways, do we need to have four events a year? We've been through a new cycle with most of our staff and identified that each event is something for a different pocket of the community. So we're trying to maximize on that, always ever-changing balance of um, doing amazing things and not burning people out. Yes, yes. That's a challenge. Do older people, do they have grief? Thank you for asking that question. So our groups have expanded from that first offering of a parent and a child's group to include groups for pregnancy loss. Um, pregnancy and infant loss because that's a different kind of grief. Mm -hmm. Adult children that have died, so the parents of adult children, long-term spouse loss, and then we have other general groups for adult loss. And right now what we're seeing is that the demand is great. Um, Before COVID, it felt like people reached out for our services six six months or so after a loss. With COVID, we have people that reach out to us and need help yesterday because we're all so burdened and overwhelmed with everything that's going on in the world losing someone that you have loved for years is is huge on a good day Um, in many cases it's a parent that has lost a huge revenue stream for the family so now you have one income you still have the children you still have the braces you still have every Mm -hmm. obligation so helping them navigate that we're getting calls sooner we've received calls um of people that are, the person hasn't even died yet, but six people have said you need to call Lost and Found, which is kind of a blessing and a curse because we have a great reputation in the community. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes people think, call Lost and Found, go a couple times and you're fixed. Mm-hmm. And grief does not work that way. So we want to be very careful about the expectation. It is hard work. The people that show up for group work so hard um, on themselves and getting the tools to help them navigate this huge life change. So when do you have group session? In the evening? In the evenings. We do have a couple of adult groups that meet during the day as well, but group sessions typically run along with the school year, Mm -hmm. and um, groups begin at 6.30 and they wrap up at 8 p.m. So that's Monday through Thursday through the week for school, for the school year. Okay. And so this is your website? Mm -hmm. Lost and Found Ozarks all one word Mm -hmm. dot com and so they can find out your schedules, anything. Is there a donation button on there? There's a donate button, info on events, different ways to get involved for group. Um, the biggest thing that I would say to someone that we get a lot of calls. I'll get emails or Facebook messages from people from my high school that have lost, that have a friend that has lost someone or a family member that has lost someone. And they say, what can I do? How can I support this person? Mm-hmm. The biggest thing is to show up. Um, And that doesn't have to be physically at their house every day, but just saying, I'm thinking about you, sharing a favorite memory about their person, instead of saying, let me know what I can do to help, showing up and cutting the grass. Or we had a a person that talked about, she didn't know which neighbor did it, but she was so scattered in her grief raising two little girls that she would forget to wheel her trash to the street. And you know, you do that a few times and your trash can's overflowing. She never knew who it was that was doing it, but said that it meant the world to her on the days that she woke up at 3 in the morning and thought, oh, my gosh, I didn't take out the trash. Someone else had done that. So just having people that show up, oftentimes right after a loss, 
people are overwhelmed with casseroles and hugs and flowers and stories and then it gets really quiet and the person is not there so being intentional about connecting with them sharing a story reaching out with the first the first father's day they're gone the first christmas the first back to school first mother's day they're gone absolutely that's right okay all of those things are incredibly meaningful to people and they don't take all it can be a text it can be a your mom taught me how to make this awesome recipe i don't know if you've made it but here you go stories like that and as women uh, cooking you know we're talking about not being in the kitchen all the time but my husband and i cook together he'll tackle one thing i'll tackle another but i've taught my kids how to cook and my oldest one is almost 22 she has friends that don't know how to cook anything they don't know how to do their own laundry but just being intentional about teaching children how to take care of themselves and not just women you're a woman so you have to do these things you got to teach your boys this too right i have friends that have little boys that will cook the family meal and they're nine years old oh that's awesome and you can teach yourself anything online so i think as a society just doing everything we can to stay connected to our roots to stay connected to each other in a time that we have more access but it seems like we're less connected than ever so coming out of the kitchen the title when I when I made this podcast, I had just heard that Virginia became the 38th required state to ratify equal rights for women. Okay. And then in February, this will never see the light of day. I don't believe in it. And it hasn't. Mm-hmm. And so that angered me. <laughs> sure. And so I thought, well, I've got to get kind of educated on this suffrage movement. And I'm jumping through hoops. To, to get information to learn on this so I thought I've got to do this and when I created the, the podcast it had some goofy name like let's have a talk yeah but it was taken so I couldn't use it and I'm just off this off the spur I thought well we're coming out of the kitchen we're not going to be in the kitchen anymore yeah. we're coming out and we're going to sit down and we're going to discuss this so that's how I got the name of the podcast mm-hmm. cooking politics is just an acronym coming out of the kitchen okay in politics because politics affect everyone every day and we don't all have to agree on everything it's it's being civil it's being respectful and it's thinking not just about ourselves which is the knee jerk we all do it but thinking about our children and grandchildren will never meet honestly leaves the world a better world for them absolutely honestly we're all more alike fundamentally than we are different but what's happened especially these last few years is everyone's focused on what divides us and that's where the energy's gone if we could just put the effort into going across the aisle working together that's really what we need to get back to and I saw things like that happen at our local chamber of commerce people that maybe didn't agree on everything but they said you know what for our community and for Springfield and for the young vibrant people we have here we have to come up with new ideas and new ways to collaborate people that have been in Springfield forever don't realize that a lot of things that happen in local government here don't happen everywhere we have two huge health systems that work together they collaborate we have an educational system that works with local colleges very closely all for the greater good of the next generation and I think it's easy to take those things for granted but just being a little bit more mindful following those local elections having a voice showing up to a school board meeting 
city council meetings are open to the public and where you can they stream live and sometimes they're very interesting <laughs> but being in tune with what's happening in our community because it, it's something to be proud of but it's going to take all of us certainly enjoyed this conversation yes, thank you for visiting with me for sure i really enjoyed that so to reach out to Jamie, Director of Development, her email is jfields at lostandfoundozarks.com. And the website where you can find all this wonderful information, which I forgot to ask you, is there a link to seek any volunteer positions Yes, here? there are. There are links to get more information about group. Um, there are links for different events that we have. So all the information is there, but feel free to reach out if you have specific questions. The best way usually is email. And another area that we've been supporting business owners. So we have some huge employers here, and they're dealing with loss and death of employees or employees' loved ones. And they're not grief specialists, so they're, they're kind of trying to educate themselves as well. So we've been a resource going out educating them, taking them information, and letting them reach out and ask us questions. Our program team is incredible, and we're here for the community. It's, it's a different time, and um, we just want to be a support system. Okay, and your website is lostandfoundozarks.com, and I'll put all of this in the show notes. And I just really appreciate getting to know you more. Yes, absolutely. You have a wonderful story. Thank you so much. You're um, welcome. Definitely lots to do in the world. It's going to take us all. Yes, it does. Every one of us. Okay, until next time, coming out of the kitchen, have a great day. Let you listen to the podcast. I am weaning calves on the farm, and I have a cow that sounds like she's in the worst pain ever, and she is. Did you hear that? She misses her calf. He is gone. So, um... I can't edit that out either if I'm talking while she's doing it. Okay, without further ado, here's the podcast.